So it's a pleasure to be here. Sorry that you didn't have your normal scheduled speaker, um, but uh, you God has uh, other plans and we plan. Uh, it is a privilege to have Tom in our church and for the opportunity we have to encourage uh, believers to pray and to be a part of uh, not only the ministry of serving, but also the, the ministry of beseeching God and praying. So this opportunity, I'm going to share something that I've been studying in uh, my personal devotions. Uh, we've been studying in the book of Romans as a church, and as you know, we're not going to be done anytime soon. We've only made it to chapter four. I think I'm finishing this week. Um, and so I went totally a different genre of literature to Ezekiel uh, to be studying personally my devotions. Um, What's interesting is Ezekiel's helped me to see more clearly uh, aspects of God's character. Um, if we were writing a story of fiction um, using literary terms, we just we would describe God as a round character. A round character has um, he's authentic and relatable, relatable, memorable, but is important. Is it's a round character is complex. It's um, multifaceted. Uh, a flat character is just that in literary terms. Uh, not memorable, no complexity. Uh, one wrote, uh, the test of a round character is whether it's capable of surprising in a convincing way. If it never surprises, that character never surprises, it's flat. If it does not convince, it is flat pretending to be round. And I found that I've often been surprised um, that our God is so multifaceted in a complex God. Um, what do I mean by that? Uh, sometimes we're tempted to see God as one-dimensional. We think and hear a message of God is love, and God is love. Or God is a God of mercy, and God is a God of mercy, of graciousness. He is a powerful creator, but he's also a God of justice, a God of holiness, and even a God of wrath. And uh, that's where Ezekiel has been talking to, to me through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, using his word, that God is a God of wrath. Now, in contrast, our God is not like Muhammad's God. Muhammad's God was only angry. Um, our God does have the, the, the multifacets. That's why our finite brains cannot um, comprehend him. So the oft-repeated uh, phrase in Ezekiel is that you shall know that I am the Lord. And over and over, I've, I've underlined it in uh, my paper Bible, um, I've underlined over and over that, that, that God is in his judgment, wants people to know that he is the Lord, his people to know. And so I'm going to give you, I know I only have 10 minutes, but I'm going to give you uh, chapters 1 through 18, kind of an overview um, to kind of to share with you what God is working in my heart about the, the really the completeness of the character of God, but particularly um, in the life of Ezekiel. Now, you read Ezekiel, and frankly, it's kind of depressing. Um, you read the judgments of, that God is um, pouring out on his people. His, his, Ezekiel's calling came with a spectacular exhibit of God's power. He saw visions of God. Uh, he saw creatures riding on the storm and great lightning. And at the end of chapter 1, Ezekiel sees the radiance of God, the glory of God, and he falls upon his face. And you'll see that occasionally throughout the, um, the book, that Ezekiel falls upon his face in worship of God and adoration, but also in fear, reverence of God. And God always lifts him up there. And so God gives Ezekiel the opportunity to give his commands, his, his warnings of judgment. He, it's, it's beautiful. He uses object lessons. Um, God gives uh, 
has Ezekiel take and eat a scroll, to take up a sword, take up a brick, to poke a hole in the wall, and talk about, to illustrate God's wrath coming upon Israel, God's chosen people. Because they have, they have consistently rebelled against God in worshiping idols. In fact, that is the, um, really the offshoot of everything that God's judging them for. They're, they're turning away from the one true God, their God, and worshiping other idols and often other things as idols. And so just to kind of give you the context of what's going on, in, in chapter 5, God says, I am against you. I will execute judgments in the sight of the nations. 5.12 says he predicts the rending of God's people. He said a third will die by the famine and, and plague, a third by the sword, and a third will be scattered to the ends of the earth. He says in, in verse 13 of chapter 5, God says, my, thus my anger will be spent. and I will satisfy my wrath upon them. A wrathful God. No pity from God. He says, then you will know that I am the Lord. I, the Lord, do the smiting, he says. In chapter 9, we see the, de- the beginning of the departure of the glory of God from Jerusalem. This is a, uh, first time I read through it, I, I, I almost passed it and I had to back up. And this is monumental. Um, they could always count upon the, the glory of the God being there in Jerusalem in the temple. Chapter 14 describes the people of having idols in their heart and he calls to them to repent. Chapter 16, verse 59, I'm just kind of dropping in now. God says that that people have despised their oath by breaking the covenant with their God. And you start to see continually a wrathful God who will judge sin because he is a just God. But then because our God is not a flat character, quote unquote, we see a covenant-keeping God and a merciful God. He says in chapter 16, verse 60, he says, Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth. Chapter 16, verse 62, thus will I establish my covenant with you, make it firm, and you will know that I am the Lord. Chapter 18, um, verse 18, God reminds that each person is responsible for his or her own sin. Chapter 18, verse 19, he says, the one will not die for the iniquity of his father. You don't die, you don't be, you're not judged because of your father and his sins. 1920, the person who sins will die. See the echoes that we're studying in Romans. We see the echoes of, of uh, chapter three there. In nineteen and twenty-one, but if the wicked turn from all his sins, and the wicked observes my statutes and practices judgment and righteous, he shall shall surely live and not die. In nineteen verse twenty-three, he says, "Do I have the pleasure in death of the wicked? Do I take any pleasure in the wicked's death?" Declares the Lord God, rather that he should turn from his sin and live. Turn from his ways and live. In verse 30, he says, Repent and turn away from all of your transgressions so that iniquity may not become a stumbling block to you. And you see the, the merciful love of God that continues to call out to his people to repent. It calls to them to turn from their ways. He says, Cast away your transgressions that you have committed, which make, yourselves, and make of yourself a new heart, a new spirit. Verse 32 for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore, repent and live. And reading Ezekiel just through these uh, first number of chapters, we see that our God, that he is wrathful and that he is holy. He cannot abide with sin. And so he is wrathful against sin and the sinner, but he indeed is merciful and will respond to those who hear and receive his provision of turning. 
um, as I mentioned, we've been studying in Romans 1, 18, um, talks about the wrath of God. The wrath of God has been revealed or manifest from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of those who, men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And you see that that wrath of God, but our God is a merciful God because just prior to that, he says, um, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. In 2 Peter, 1 Timothy, we see a merciful God making a way through Jesus and Jesus' death upon the cross. We see in chapter 3 of Romans, you see the, the great redemption, the propitiation through the blood of Jesus has made a way for us justification through faith. And so all who come in faith, who come to God with nothing in their hands, as the hymn writer said, but relying solely upon the grace of God shall have forgiveness of their sin, justification, and are placed into the family of God. The beautiful thing of our God, that he can, in wrath, as as Habakkuk writes, can remember mercy in that pleading. And so the gospel is the power of God for everyone who believes, and it causes me to pray with greater urgency. Urgency, one, for those who have placed themselves in the wrath of God. And the urgency is to pray for them to repent, turn from their sins. But we pray also knowing that our good God, who is merciful, he receives those who return, who turn in faith and believe in him. And so we pray that God in his graciousness will continue to draw men and women and boys and girls, to himself. We pray that the mighty Spirit of God works in hearts across the world and encourages believers. Looking at that, I, at Ezekiel, you, you see the hearts of people who are, are hardened against God, but you know those who return, even believers who return, who, who, who find themselves jumping headlong into sin and, and turning and feeling the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon them, they know that they can turn. First John reminds us that they can return and, and confessing, and God forgives. And so we pray for believers around the world, uh, that God would, would do his work in our hearts of igniting, of waking us, reviving us, but also for those who do not know Jesus, that um, they will come to save a knowledge of him. Why? To what end do we pray? Just like Ezekiel reminds us, that God reminds us in Ezekiel, so that all may know that he is the Lord. And so we pray, and we call out diligently for God to do his work in his world, especially in our time. And that, I hope, will be an encouragement for you. Our God is great, powerful. and all his multifacetedness, he's a God who hears. And we can pray, we can call out to him.